0: Today on the program, you will hear from Susan Shand, Dorothy Gundy, and Brian Lynn. Later, we will present our American history series, The Making of a Nation. But first, here is Susan Shand.
2: Some young American rabbinical students have added a new activity to the year of study in Israel. In the past, Students would visit holy sites, learn Hebrew, and read religious books. But these students are also reaching out to Palestinians. Tyler Dratch is a 26-year-old rabbinical student at Hebrew College in Boston. He spoke to the Associated Press as he was planting olive trees with about 24 other students in the Palestinian village of At-Tuwani in the southern West Bank. The only Jews that Palestinians there usually see are Israeli soldiers or nationalist settlers. Before coming here and doing this, I couldn't speak intelligently about Israel, Dratch said. We're saying that we can take the same religion settlers use to commit violence in order to commit justice, to make peace. Dratch did not want to be mistaken for a settler. He covered his Jewish skullcap with another hat he followed the group to see messages that villagers say settlers left last month. Death to Arabs and Revenge, painted in Hebrew on rocks and several uprooted olive trees. This year's study program also includes a visit to the West Bank city of Hebron, where there is a lot of anti-Israeli anger. The students will also visit an Israeli military court that tries Palestinians, and a meeting with an activist from the Hamas-controlled Gaza Strip, which is under an Israeli blockade. The program is run by Tru'ah, the Rabbinical Call for Human Rights, an organization of rabbis based in the U.S. Most of Tru'ah's membership and all students in the program are connected to the Reform, Reconstructionist, and Conservative Jewish movements. These represent the more liberal side of Judaism, that makes up the majority of American Jews. In Israel, these movements are mostly ignored. Israeli rabbis of the Orthodox group control religious life in the country. The Truah program is in its seventh year It adds to the students' usual studies of Hebrew, religion, and Jewish-Israeli society. Though the program is not required, Truah says about 70% of the visiting American rabbinical students from the liberal branches of Judaism take part. The year-long program looks at Israel's occupation of the West Bank, and reported human rights abuses inside Israel. True uh says its visits to the West Bank are not just single acts of community service. Students are expected to share their experiences within the Jewish community when they return home. Rabbi Ian Chesser Teran is Tru'a's rabbinical educator in Israel. He says the program is designed to push the students, in his words, so they invite their future rabbinates to work toward ending the occupation. On this day, the students were going to the Palestinian villages of At-Tawani and Ar-Rakas in Area C which is under total Israeli control. Palestinian villagers guided the group to their olive trees. The trees are an ancient Palestinian symbol and a more recent victim in the struggle for land with Israeli settlers. Israeli security officials
1: reported a sharp rise last year in settler violence against Palestinians. Yeshi Fleischer is a spokesman for the settlers. He blamed attacks on the anger of each side in the West Bank. As Israeli soldiers watched from a hill, Palestinians and Jews planted olive trees in holes left by settlers who had destroyed old trees. Tyler Droch said he grew up in Pennsylvania during the years of the Second Palestinian Uprising in the early 2000s. My religious education was fear of Palestinians, he said. But in college, Dretch's ideas about Israel changed. Dretch says he still supports Israel, but is against its policies in the West Bank. I realized I could be Zionist without turning my back on my neighbor, on Palestinians, he said. With hundreds of young American rabbis sharing such ideas, some in Israel are worried. Yoshi Klein-Halevi is with the Shalom Hartman Institute, a research center in Jerusalem. He said he worries that intense desire for social justice may lead to extreme politics among future American Jewish leaders. Israel is to hold elections in April. Public opinion studies suggest Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his religious nationalist allies will win the voting. Studies in the US show younger American Jews are more peaceful toward Palestinians and supportive of religious pluralism. Two weeks after visiting Attuani, the group learned that 25 of the 50 trees they had planted had been removed. Settlers are suspected. They plan to replant again. I'm Dorothy Gundy.
2: And I'm Susan Shan.
3: The Mobile World Congress, or MWC, is the world's largest yearly event for showing new smartphones and related products. This week's four-day gathering in Barcelona, Spain, introduced some interesting new phones and looked to the future of 5G wireless technology. One of the most talked about happenings at MWC Barcelona was the launch of a new foldable smartphone. China's Huawei launched the device days after South Korea's Samsung officially launched its own foldable phone model. Representatives of both companies showed off their devices but MWC Barcelona attendees were not permitted to touch or test the new products. The launches marked a first for the mobile industry. They are the first devices designed to combine a smartphone and a tablet. Technology experts see such development as an attempt by manufacturers to present a completely new mobile invention after years of only minor phone innovations. The hope is that people will be excited by the new devices and that, in turn, demand and sales will rise. However, most experts expect the market for a foldable phone to be very limited especially in the beginning one major issue for buyers will be cost both samsung and huawei have priced their foldable models far above any other smartphones huawei's new foldable phone is called the mate x it will sell for about two thousand six hundred dollars when it goes on sale later this year. Samsung's Galaxy Fold is priced at nearly $2,000 and is expected to be available in late April. Both devices are designed to work as a smartphone when closed, but as a tablet when opened. The Galaxy Fold has the tablet on the inside of the Fold while the Mate X's tablet covers the outside of the device. Both models have a traditional smartphone face that operates independently of the tablet. The Mate X display covers the whole outside, so both the front and back faces can be used for phone operations at the same time. Huawei's Mate X has a larger display than the Galaxy Fold for both phone and tablet operations. The Mate X also folds flatter than the Galaxy Fold. Both models will come in 5G versions. Several companies also introduced devices designed to work with 5G, the next generation of wireless technology. Some used MWC Barcelona to describe their plans for launching 5G devices and service. In the United States, some companies plan to launch 5G in major cities by this year. Another product introduced in Barcelona was Microsoft's new HoloLens 2 augmented reality headset. Augmented reality devices project images as holograms onto a user's real-life field of sight. While such devices have traditionally been popular with video gamers, the latest headset seems more designed to help people with their work. Microsoft's first HoloLens was launched in 2016. Since then, The company has been working to create improvements that users wanted to see. The result is a product that Microsoft claims provides a more immersive experience and fits better on the head. During a demonstration at MWC Barcelona, Microsoft showed off the HoloLens 2's ability to closely follow eye movements. The presentation also showed how users can feel as though they can actually touch and interact with the holograms. Examples showed a user's ability to play a hologram musical instrument or change the settings of a piece of industrial equipment. The technology can be used to guide workers through complex industrial or medical processes. It can also be used in office settings to help employees all over the world digitally cooperate on projects as if they were in the same room. In a statement, Microsoft said it looks forward to many more workers using HoloLens 2 to help perform their jobs better and more safely. From construction sites to factory floors— From operating rooms to classrooms, HoloLens is changing how we work, learn, communicate, and get things done, the company's statement said. I'm Brian Lin.
1: Welcome to The Making of a Nation, American History in VOA Special English. Surrender finally came for General Robert E. Lee and the Confederacy he had served as a great soldier. It was mostly his military skill and intelligence that kept the South in the field so long but even his extraordinary skill could not save the South from the industrial power of the North and its mighty armies, armies that were well-fed and well-equipped. Stuart Spencer and Leo Scully continue the story of the American Civil War.
4: The last chapter of the bitter four-year struggle came in April 1865. General Grant had pushed Lee's army away from Richmond and nearby Petersburg, Virginia. His Union forces had kept after the Confederates for almost a week. Lee fled westward across Virginia. His tired, hungry soldiers tried to turn south to reach safety in the Carolinas. But always, the Union Army blocked the way. Finally, on Saturday, April 8th, Lee's army found it could flee no farther. A Union force at Appomattox Station blocked any further movement to the west. Early the next morning, Lee tried to break through the ring of Union soldiers that surrounded his army, but he failed.
0: Nothing was left, nothing but surrender. Lee sent a note to General Grant, asking to meet with him to discuss surrender terms. A few hours later, General Grant rode into the crossroads village of Appomattox Courthouse. General Lee was waiting for him at the home of a man named Wilmer McLean. Lee rose as Grant walked into the house. Grant did not look like a great military leader, the chief of all Union armies. He was dressed simply. His clothes were the same as those worn by the lowest soldiers in his army. His boots and pants were covered with mud. His blue coat was dirty and wrinkled. But on its shoulders were the three gold stars of the Union's highest general. Lee was dressed in his finest
4: clothing. He wore a beautiful gray coat with a red sash tied around it. At his side, he carried an ivory and silver sword the two generals greeted each other and shook hands. Grant said, I met you once before, General Lee, while we were serving in Mexico. I have always remembered your appearance. I think I would have recognized you anywhere. Lee said, Yes, I know I met you then, and I have often tried to remember how you looked but I have never been able to remember a single feature.
0: Grant continued to talk of their service in the Mexican War. He said later that he did so because he was finding it difficult to bring up the question of surrender. Lee took part in the light talk for several minutes. Finally, he said, "'I suppose, General Grant,' that the purpose of our meeting is fully understood. I asked to see you to learn upon what terms you would receive the surrender of my army." Grant answered, The terms I propose are those I offered in my earlier note to you. That is, the officers and men surrendered will not take up arms again and all your weapons and supplies will become captured property. Lee
4: said those were the conditions he had expected. He asked Grant to put the terms in writing so he could sign them. Very well, said Grant. I will write them out. It took him several minutes to write the surrender agreement. Only once did he look up. He had just written the sentence, The arms, artillery, and public property will be given over to the Union Army. Grant stopped writing and looked over at the sword the old general wore. He decided there was no need to hurt Lee's pride by taking away his sword. So he added, This will not include the side arms of the officers, nor their horses or other private property. Each officer and man shall be allowed to return to his home. He will not be disturbed by United States authorities as long as he honors this agreement and obeys the laws
0: where he lives. Grant gave the paper to Lee. Lee read it slowly. When he finished... Grant asked if the Confederate general wished to propose any changes. Lee was silent for a moment. There is one thing, he said. The cavalrymen and artillerymen in our army own their own horses. I would like to understand if these men will be allowed to keep their horses. You will find, Grant said, that the terms as written do not allow it. Only the officers are permitted to take their private property. You are correct, said Lee. I see the terms do not allow it. That is clear. Until
4: now, Lee's face had shown no emotion. But for a moment, his self-control weakened. Grant could see... How badly Lee wanted this. Well, said Grant, I did not know that any private soldiers owned their horses. But I think that this will be the last battle of the war. I sincerely hope so. I think that the surrender of this army will be followed soon by that of all the others. I take it, that most of your soldiers are small farmers and will need the horses to put in a crop that will carry themselves and their families through the next winter. I will not change the terms as they are written, but I will tell my officers to let all the men who claim to own a horse or mule take the animals home with them to work their little farms.
0: Lee was pleased with this. He told Grant, This will have the best possible effect upon the men. It will be very gratifying and will do much to help our people. While waiting for the surrender papers to be copied, Grant presented Lee to the other Union officers in the room. Lee had known some of them before the war. After a few minutes, Lee turned to Grant. He told him that his army held about 1,000 Union soldiers as war prisoners. He said that for the past few days, he had no food but cracked corn to give them. He said he had nothing to give his own men to eat. Grant called in his supply officer and ordered him to feed the Confederate army. He told him to send to Lee's army enough food for 25,000 men. Finally,
4: the surrender papers were ready. Grant and Lee signed them. Lee shook hands with Grant and walked out of the house. Lee got on his horse and rode slowly Back to his army. As he entered Confederate lines, men began to cheer, but the cheering died when the soldiers saw the pain and sorrow in Lee's face. Tears filled the old man's eyes. He could not speak. Soldiers removed their hats and watched silently as Lee rode
0: past. Many wept. A crowd of soldiers waited at Lee's headquarters. They pushed close around him, trying to touch him, trying to shake his hand. Lee began to speak. Boys, I have done the best I could for you. Go home now, and if you make as good citizens... As you have soldiers, you will do well. I shall always be proud of you. Goodbye, and God bless you all. From the crowd came a loud cry. Farewell, General Lee. I wish for your sake and mine that every damned Yankee on earth was sunk ten miles in hell. On the other
4: side of the lines... Union soldiers began to celebrate. Artillerymen fired their guns to salute the victory over Lee. Grant heard the artillery booming and sent orders that it should stop. The rebels are our countrymen again, he said. We can best show our joy by refusing to celebrate their
0: downfall. General Grant left Appomattox Courthouse to return to his headquarters a few kilometers away. Suddenly, he stopped his horse. He had forgotten to tell President Lincoln or War Secretary Stanton that Lee had surrendered. He sat down at the side of the road and wrote a telegram to Secretary Stanton. News of the surrender reached Washington late on Sunday. Most citizens in the capital did not learn of it until early the next morning. Then cannons began to boom out over the city. Crowds rushed to the White House to cheer the president. They asked Lincoln to make a victory speech. Lincoln said he had not prepared a statement. He wished to wait until the next night. He asked the people to come back then, and he would have something to say. And that's our program for today. Listen again tomorrow to learn English through stories from around the world. I'm Jonathan Evans.
1: And I'm Ashley Thompson.